We'll figure it out eventually over here. I promise. So, hey, if you guys didn't know, welcome. This is the sun out there. That's first of all. Uh, second, Mother's Day. I guess that's kind of first, so happy Mother's Day. Uh, third, I am part of the student ministries team out here. My name's TJ, so if you've never met me, we'd love to meet you. If you see me in the lobby, shake my hand, say hi. Um, yeah, thank you guys. Wow, I feel like so proud. They're my leaders over there clapping for me. Um, if it wasn't for them, nobody would, so here I am. Um, if you weren't here last week, this is our second week of a series on Galatians 5, 22 and 23, uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So each week we are talking about a different aspect of the fruit of the Spirit um, that grows in the life of the Christian as we walk closer to who, with Jesus and, and, and find out who we are meant to be in him. Um, and so this is Galatians 5, 22 to 23. This is what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Um, I was going to show you a video of all of us trying to live out the fruit of the Spirit last week. And if you want to see that video, we decided to cut it from the service a little clunky. If you want to see that, just YouTube um, toddlers and hurdles, okay? That's what it's like when we try to live out the fruit of the Spirit on our own strength. Good reminder. When I think about the fruit of the Spirit and how it grows in our lives, I think about uh, my wife and I, we, our first house was in Williamston, and we had about 10 acres in Williamston, which is like, man, there's people that love you know, neighborhoods, there's people that love the acreage, and I had a longing for the acreage, right, um, which just meant a lot more to do outside and take care of. And I remember we had this deck and we got sun all day long, right? Sun would rise and fall on this deck, which was awesome when it was like 70 degrees and no mosquitoes. Um, But that's not like a thing in Michigan anymore, right? And so we were like one day, hey, you know what? We need to like plant a tree off this deck so we have some shade so we can enjoy the shade, come out here with our friends, you know, sip some sweet tea and have a good time. And so what we did was, nine acres, hey, you know what? Let's just go pick a tree out of the weeds and just transplant that tree next to our deck. And so in the middle of summer, we went out and found a beautiful maple tree. It looked very strong and ready to be planted by our deck. And we dug up the maple tree and we were like, you know, how much of this root ball do we need? Now, that's probably enough, right? Ten-foot tree, this root ball, two and a half feet, is probably enough for this tree to, to succeed in life. So off of the deck, we planted this maple tree, and we were so excited for like two days and, until it died, <laughs> right? Because also, we had this problem where the soil was just sand by our deck, and I think that's a lot of what we try to do when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. We try to take a tree out of the weeds and make it grow in the sand and say, hey, here we go. Let's try hard to make it happen, right? That's not how the fruit of the Spirit is made, uh, it grows in our life. The fruit isn't transplanted or manufactured or as Tenacious D used to say, you can't manufacture inspirado, right? So can't do it. And so it's worth reminding, as Noel said last week, that when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is singular. So not fruits but fruit. It's important to be reminded because we're talking about one of the listed descriptions in the fruit of the Holy Spirit today that that it produces. And it's not as though we're uh, grocery shopping through the aisle of Meyer, not Myers, Meyer, and taking, you know, 
we do that in Michigan. Fosters, Myers, Kroger's, you know, I don't think we do Kroger's. But anyway, we're not going through the grocery store, taking a fruit here, taking a fruit there. That's not how it really works. It's a natural produce of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit Grow. So these fruit are like nine different, uh, think of nine different faces on like the same jewel, right? Every, per, every Christian produces the fruit. Different paces, different seasons, different soils we start with, right? But all of us, it, we grow the fruit of the Spirit. So when we think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's good to know this is not an exhaustive list of what the Spirit grows in our lives. But the one we're talking about today, love, it's significant that Paul notes love as the first and foremost in this list, I think, in Galatians 5. It's the primary and foundational fruit, right? One New Testament uh, commentator says this, the headline placement of love in the list of the Spirit's fruit is due both to the centrality of love within the new covenant ethics and because it's the most important bulwark against the factional infighting that seems to be racking the Galatian churches. Good to remember that Paul's not just writing these letters um, when he's writing three quarters of the New Testament. He's writing to people, and they're dealing with a very specific thing oftentimes in the churches he's writing to, or things uh, that, they're, that they're dealing with. And so the Galatian churches, there were these factions that were promoting a new gospel or a different gospel, which Paul's like, there is no new or different gospel, um, rather than the gospel of, that's freedom in Christ that Paul is preaching. And so in the beginning of the book of Galatians, if you go back and read that, Paul addresses these people, and when he writes, he even has to fight for his own reputation, which is kind of crazy, like Paul, the New Testament writer, fighting for his reputation as an apostle of this gospel of Jesus Christ. He's known as this second-rate apostle with a second-rate message. The group called Judaizers believed Paul was delivering man's, delivering man's word about God rather than God's inspired word to man. And so the Judaizers wanted to require Gentiles, to believers, to follow Jewish customs and taught that a Gentile had to become a Jew before they could become a Christian. And so in short, they believed the gospel was, as Acts 15 points to, Jesus Christ plus the law of Moses, or Jesus plus something. That's what they believed. Instead of the gospel we preach, which is reflected in the five solas, grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, through scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. And so this distorted and perverted teaching was especially popular among believers who are former Pharisees. And if you guys have read through the Gospels, Pharisees are these guys who knew the Scriptures so well. They had Scriptures memorized. They thought they knew God because they knew so much about God. And a lot of them came to know who Jesus was. But there was kind of like these ways it's hard to kill the old way, Right? It's worth noting, um, they call these former Pharisees, it's worth noting, as Philip Ryken says, um, the church has always been full of recovering Pharisees who want to add human effort to God's grace. Now, people who want to add human effort to God's grace, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's including you, me, all the fleshly efforts to live out the fruit of the Spirit is a long those lines. Here's the reality, though. 
where we live, when we talk about love, right, um, I would come out and ask you guys, hey, tell me a definition of love, and all of you would give me, like, different answers. Most of us, when you think about love, we're either thinking about the Beatles, Foreigner, or Beyonce, right? We have these songs stuck in our head. That's what we think of when we think of love, right? The word love has almost lost its meaning. I mean, I can love a Duramax diesel. I can love a square body Chevy. I can love things that go brop. I can love my wife and kids, and I can love a cheeseburger, and it's all the same word, okay? Which are all things that I really enjoy. (laughs) Um. It's all the same word. I mean, even I visit my, my, I have a 102-year-old grandmother, so happy grandmother's day. Yeah, lives alone still. And she is so classic. My grandpa was 100% Italian, and they were this just classic crew of, like, they're amazing people. If you ever get the chance to hang out with me, we'll go over there and say hi. And she'll be like, why did you bring a stranger over here? But <laughs> she, she's amazing, okay? So Every time we come to the house, she comes to the door. She opens the door. She lets us in. We sit in her living room, and we have a conversation. Hey, turn the TV off. We're just going to talk. That's what I'm here for. Like, we don't need to watch the TV. That's dumb. Let's talk. And then we'll have a conversation for a while. She'll drink her 14th cup of coffee, and then we'll get up to leave. And when we leave, she walks us to every time anybody who leaves her house, she walks into the door, opens the door. I always turn, give her a hug, say, love you, mama. I love, not like that, it's more endearing. Love you, my mom. And we'll see you soon. And she's always like, yeah, not soon enough. See you in six months or whatever it is. And like, oh, come on. Like, we come over more than that. I say, love you, my mom. And she says, I like you. And I say, whoa, like, that's like, that hurts, you know? She's like, love doesn't mean anything anymore. Like you tells you how I really feel. I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel like that, but... I mean, culturally speaking today, even when it comes to loving someone or being loving, things get really confusing because often this just means you affirm an ideology or affirm whatever they feel is true or desires they have, and they built upon their lives, they built upon this philosophy. There's actually a philosophy of life right now that's just taking uh, captive the hearts of young people, and I work with young people, so I see it all over the place, and it's this concept of expressive individualism where the purpose to living is to look inward and discover and express your truest self by the way rarely leads to love or loving. Just saying. Shots fired, right? Yeah. We primarily use love to describe a feeling or an emotional response toward a person or something else. So we have to sit back and say, okay, Galatians 5.22, what does Paul and really the New Testament say or mean when it's talking about love, because there's lots and lots of confusion. And by the way, the Bible has so many words for love. It's like I needed to watch an episode of Schoolhouse Rock to get, like understand oh, a verb and a noun and a Rubik's Cube and whatever else, adjective. And so like, because there's so many, like so many words for love. Primarily, we're going to be talking about one of them, though, today. And the word uh, love in Galatians 5.22 is a Greek word, and the Greek word is agape. And if you guys grew up in the church or around the church, you've probably heard this word before. This word, uh, not until it became a Christian, was I starting to really understand what is agape love. And it's this outward-facing, selfless, sacrificial, and in the, like, in the New Testament definition, there's the word affection attached to it, which I think is really unique. 
It's seen over 100 times in the New Testament, 75 of which Paul has uh, written in the New Testament. And this agape love, you might be familiar with, it's the same word that's used in a popular verse, John 3.16, right? For God loved the world in this way. Haha, this is CSB, not ESV. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his only, one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal Life, same word, this agape love, selfless, sacrificial, affectionate, outward-facing love, agape, right? You're like, cool, sounds good. Like, it could be a Bible thing, or it could be like a Ted Lasso quote. I'm not sure. Like, agape, like, put it on a coffee mug or a sticker. Cool, awesome. It goes deeper than that. And so we still have to push in further. What do we mean by agape love? We have to define, okay, cool, know that this love isn't like the world loves, but we still have to define it. And so we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and we can see a clear vision of what love is. And (laughs) I wrote this, and if you teach English, you're going to be like crying. But what love is and what love ain't, right? (laughs) And so 1 Corinthians 13, what's it known for? Anybody? Oh, usually when people say 1 Corinthians 13, they say it's the love chapter, but they add more O's, right? The love chapter. It's the wedding chapter, which is like, I, I started doing weddings and 1 Corinthians 13 makes sense, right? If you're entering into marriage vows, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, makes sense. And so it's a chapter primarily defining what love is and what love ain't. And if you didn't know, 1 Corinthians, man, these Corinthian people, it's like the church, like Las Vegas of church, like places to do church, right? The Las Vegas, they're wilding out. Um, they have all kinds of issues. If you haven't re- read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, read it, and you will understand, like, wow, Paul is on a mission, and it's no wonder he wants to emphasize uh, love so much in this chapter, the superior way. And so I'll read 1 Corinthians uh, 1 through 3. This is what it says. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love this. Paul's setting up what he's about to say. He says, you can have the most, when it comes to love, amazing spiritual gifts that you can think of. Um, you can be touched by an angel, if you don't, but if you don't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal, right? Do you know what a clanging cymbal sounds like? Like I could go... I have a two-year-old and a symbol, so I know what that sounds like, okay? It's awful. Like, cool, man, you, got it. Like, you will go far playing you know, the, the national anthem. You'll be that guy, you know. Other than that, it's, like, it's, it's not fun. Like, you go get him, little, little man, but it doesn't feel good, doesn't sound good. Without, without love, these things, you know, it's, it's nothing. He goes on, you can have faith that gets stuff done, exceptional wisdom. You can be unbelievably charitable and even a martyr, but without love, it's for nothing. There's no gain in it. And just a side note, have you ever met somebody that was just wicked smart and lacked love? You have a word for them, right? (laughs) Whoever laughed, you were a sinner. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm a sinner too. (laughs) Emphasizing... He's emphasizing the importance, the fruit of love in the believer's life, right? 
And then he spells out what is love. Love is, and this is what he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not irritable. and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You see, love, as he lays it out, is clearly not just a matter of doing, but of being. This love, it's hard to do on our own. We need the Spirit of God to work in our hearts, in our lives, in order for this kind of love to grow. I mean, look, um, like I said, I have, uh, <laughs> I have two kids, 2.5 and under, right? And I talk with my other young dads about patience. And like we were relative, I mean, we are both in ministry, the guy I'm talking about, and we're relatively patient because you have to be when you're working with teens. But when we had our own kids, um, patience, which is the ability to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset is really challenged, right? <laughs> Never a real issue until I had kids and then you take away my sleep and then you poop my pants, not just yours, and you scream at me and I can't help you. And all of a sudden we get to this place where it's like kindness and patience start to just dwindle away and you're just like floating. How do I get them back? How about self-seeking? Keeping number one in mind, right? This one is like every corner of all, our culture asks us to lean into ourselves. To, like, that's what our culture asks us to do. Take care of number one. I mean, God, <laughs> this is so hard. Is this really what you want from me to like be, be like, it's not self-seeking? Like, I can't do that. That's a tough one. That one stuck out to me. This one stuck out to me too. How about this? Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. <laughs> it's like Taylor Swift has a, a track for every record of wrong that's ever been done. <laughs> I think our, if you walk into our house and try to park where my truck goes, there's empty Amazon boxes, so I don't need to keep a record of wrong with my wife's. And then she, we have a his or her sink, so, and I have a beard, so she doesn't need to keep a record of wrongs for me because it's just, you know, if my wife kept a record of wrongs for me, I'd, it'd be, whew, we need a lot of journals. We need a library for all those. So that's a tough one, though. I think we naturally keep a record of wrongs, of people, of things done, of things, you know, we keep it stored just in case for a rainy day. I need to pull that out. And, oh, you know, like, that's what we do. You think I did something wrong. Here's what you did wrong. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Erase that record. That's not what love does. I mean, literally, I can't, I can't, in my power, I cannot love like this. And that's correct, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Real love Real love, characterized here, not self-oriented, but others-oriented, willing to sacrifice for the good of others. The opposite of the expressive individualism that is pushed on us today. This is love. This is what the Spirit grows in us. So let's not forget, though, as we step back, let's not forget the result of a growing relationship with Jesus is, is how we get this fruit. Not pulling up our bootstraps and trying harder or putting on the four-wheel drive of our Crocs. That's not how we do this, right? It's a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so I think when I think about this agape love, there's three big buckets that I like to just put agape in. And I think how the New Testament kind of paints a picture. The first bucket is God's love towards us or towards the lost. So 1 John 4 says God is love. It's his very nature. It says it twice in 1 John 4. God is love. God is love. Don't forget God is love. It's his very nature. Everything he does is consistent with his nature. If you thumb through the New Testament biographies of Jesus, talking about what he did, who he talked to, all those things, if you just thumb through it, you'll see Jesus, the exact representation of God, um, a.k.a. if you want to know what God's like, who he cares about, what he says about you, you will see that in almost every chapter of the Gospels, he, um, you'll see that without a doubt, the love of God is put on display for everyone to see And the object of his affection is people, especially lost, weary, and sinful people, which is almost all of them that he talks to. And almost all of us. Many of which, um, these people that Jesus sought out, um, when they sought Jesus, were leaning into what they hoped was true about the God of the universe. Namely, that hope in his agape love for them and for us. And do you know who invited that kind of love to happen? It wasn't me, right? I didn't know I needed God. Before I knew about Jesus, I was content to just wallow in the madness of the cul-de-sac of stupidity, going from one thing to the next, hoping it would give me meaning and significance, and it never worked. And it never would have worked. It would end, that was the end of the story. Keep writing, it's like the fourth or fifth season of any show you watch. It's the same story. This keeps happening over and over again. And you're wondering, what, how does this end? But God, right? God initiated a relationship. God bridged the gap. God in his love pursued us, not because we figured it out or we were awesome or sought him out or cared about spiritual things or got it together, finally got it together. We didn't do any of those things. God pursued us because of him, for his glory, because of his love, because that's his nature. Because he is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him and in his love um, satisfies the wandering heart and soul. This is how the book of Romans says it. This is Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God proves his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. God's one way, undeserved, we didn't clean ourselves up, work hard, and morally produce something better by trying harder so God would accept us. God showed his love for us in seeking us out and dying for us while we were still far off, while we were sinners, enemies. Christ died for us then, in that moment. That's agape love. He bought us a relationship with himself out of grace. You see, at the heart of Paul's understanding of the gospel lies the saving Love of God in Christ. The supreme expression of this undeserved love is Christ's death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And so when we step back, understanding this love cultivates the ground for our love for God to grow and 
for our love for one another, which is the second big bucket. First one, God's crazy awesome love for us. Second one is our love for one another. That's, I think, how the, the agape love of God flows through the Spirit. And so believers are called to love other believers. It's the same family, <laughs> right? As people who understand our blood-bought identity in Christ as believers, the fruit of the love, the fruit of love calls us to love one another. It's true. The fruit of the Spirit is shown in our one anothering, right? Our one anothering, coming along shoulder to shoulder next to other believers. Jesus goes so far to say in John 13 that people will know you are a believer by the way you love other believers. That was like a hard call. When I was reading this, pretty convicting. Because it wasn't like I choose who those believers are, right? God did. So love in that way. This is what John 13, 34 says. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is Jesus in John 13. His kind of last will and testament his directions for the disciples. He's shepherding them to understand who they are and, and what he's doing. And his command to them is to love one another. Isn't that crazy? Here's my question. Is your love growing for one another? For the Christian to the right of you and to the left of you? Is it growing? How about the ones in different denominations? How about a different church? How about a church that has a different political identity or ideology? Because this is really the first time in history where we've chosen a church based on politics rather than on uh, what their doctrinal beliefs are. I mean, those are really tough things. I mean, there's things happening in our culture right now that are infuriating and sorrowful, and we all have to figure out how to love other people that don't think like we do. And that is super difficult, and we need the Holy Spirit to be growing love inside of us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's this agape. I mean, I myself, I've been the recipient, my family has been the recipient of this kind of love, the one anothering from, from Christian people, people in our life groups, in our community that we've invested in, have invested in us. I mean, just a few, a year ago, um, or a few years ago, it's been a minute now, but our, our son uh, was super sick. He got really sick. And it was a super difficult time for my wife and I because we kept taking him to the doctor, couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, but we could see that things were getting slowly worse. Okay, and so we took him to the doctor. Finally, they did a couple of procedures. The procedures weren't working. We could see that there seemed to be some sort of urgency rising in us and in what was happening to our son, our one-and-a-half-year-old son, by the way. And so they kept ruling stuff out because of his age, ruling stuff out because of his age. And finally, a doctor from Ann Arbor came up and he said, hey, we're just going to do exploratory surgery to try to figure out what's going on with your son. And so they, they took him into surgery. My wife and I, it's like 2 a.m. We're like trying to like crying. What if, what if, what if? And the doctor comes out and says, hey, we got there just in time. His appendix just burst. And so we're just like, what if it went any longer? If, if this, if that. And so we're dealing with the hospital and five days in there and watching your boy, watching the life come out of your boy's eyes is the worst feeling that I've ever felt, I think. Yet... 
when we got home, and the whole time during the hospital, I received texts and messages. And I, before I was a Christian, I didn't know what a meal train was. Like, there's a meal train. People are like, can we bring you food? We need to make this easier for you. Even if you can cook for yourself, let us help you. Let us come alongside of you. This is the type of thing. Out of their way, I didn't ask for this. They said, we're going to come. We're going to be there. We care. We love you. We agape. That was agape for me. There's been other times where just um, in my own sin, I've had Christians walk beside me and reaffirm the identity in Christ over the condition we're in. They, they looked at the dignity of me as a person, said, I don't see you differently, I see you in Christ, and walked with me, walked with me in order that I could see myself like Jesus does rather than uh, the cancel culture, which is what's easy to do, right? Which anybody in this room could be canceled at any moment. You know, it's just like, it's a crazy culture. Or, uh, and I mean, that's just daily living, like daily people that you need in your life. Or I think about, um, there's been times in my life where, uh, a time in my life specifically, um, I talked about kids, I swear I'm not trying to like emotionally push you guys over the edge here, but um, I had, my wife and I had two labs when we, a couple years ago, that we loved like crazy. And my dog, eight years, uh, I had a dog named Bailey, most amazing dog. I trained her, she slept at my feet, she put, you know, she slept in my bed, I don't know where you're at with that. Um, issue, but she like put her back on my back, you know, it's like this crazy, like she like, when I got home, she's just yelping at me and crying and ah, because we had this like friendship, like as much as you can be friends with a dog, I get that. And um, my friend came over one day and we're outside and um, I turn around because I hear this yelp. My friend comes in and he is parked on top of my dog. And so I turn around, I say, no, go, 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 turn, you know, go, turn back, turn back, turn back. And he's like, not, he didn't even feel it, okay? And, and, and so I run over, and my dog, there's like, it's bad, it's a bad situation, throw in my truck, take off. And um, we ended up like, I was, my wife's just sobbing, and I'm sobbing and trying to figure this out. We had another kid on the way, and so we had a number. We're like, man, if the number's over this to fix her, that's it, you know? And the number was way further. And I remember, like, just looking, like, this was a hard decision. for. I know this is like, there's people that are dealing with real grief and real loss, and I walk, we've seen it. We, I'm part of a church, right? And, but for me, having a dog for eight years, was, it was a tough, like, it was this grief because we had to, I had to choose to put her down in that moment. And, and, and I had this bag next to me in my truck on the way home. And it was just this rough thing. And there was a guy in my life group, um, Jeff was his name. And the grief I was feeling, I felt ashamed of because I deal with real grief, real people with real loss, right? And I was ashamed. And, and he started talking and walking with me in a way that was like, there was just this position, there was just this comfort. And it was, it was, a one, it was an agape one another, right? He could sit next to my shoulder and not say anything. And I knew like, okay, I know it's just a dog, but it was like my dog, you know? It was agape. See, love is, um, <laughs> sorry, the last piece here. So that's two big buckets, right? God's crazy awesome love for us, then our love for one another. The third piece here is um, the believers now love the lost. That's the other big agape bucket here. Because it seems like God is a God of, of like lost stuff in the Bible. I mean, Jesus is talking about lost coins, lost sheep, lost prodigal sons, all these things. It seems like the heart of Jesus is to seek and save the lost, which is a direct quote from Scripture. Um, and as the agape love of God is grown in you and grows in your love for one another, lastly, I think the agape love, the fruit of the Spirit, grows your love 
for lost people. The non-believers, the unbelievers, the unaffiliated, the deconstructed, the far-off, the never-wills, the, those people, our heart starts to well up. This is my question. Believer, does your heart ache for the lost? In your home, in your work, the grocery store, the places you frequent, does your heart ache for them that they don't know how valuable they are to a good, good, gracious God? I remember my wife and I, um, sorry, she just said the rest of the sermon is just, hey, let me tell you a story. But my wife and I were involved with Young Life for like 10 years almost. She was even longer than me. And uh, I remember when we were um, leading, we had this group of faithful leaders. And I remember one time we said, hey, we're going to make a prayer board or prayer list of all the kids who would never, ever, ever come into the Young Life to hear about Jesus. That's what we're going to do. And then we're going to pray for them. Which is weird, because if anybody found this list, it'd be really weird, right? And so we sat there for an hour and made, who are all the kids who would never, ever step into a church? The furthest out kids. Who are those people? We wrote all their names on a board. And we started praying for them. And you would be blown away how many people started walking in to our Young Life Club and walking into our lives so that we could lead them to Jesus. Unbelievable amount of people. Or I was thinking yesterday, man, so... <laughs> I went to ride my dirt bike. I told Mark I wouldn't talk about dirt bikes. Here I am. So, and um, the FCA, work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes to talk about Jesus and talk about dirt bikes with people who don't care about Jesus. And so um, I went yesterday and I was like, man, I didn't have the oil that I need. I didn't have the bolts I need. I didn't have a bunch of the stuff I needed to change and take care of my bike. So I got to the track, was frustrated, angry, and didn't know why I was there. And then I was like, finally, like, okay, I'm going to leave because I don't even have the manual to my motorcycle that's new. And I don't know how much oil to put in it, and I could just sit there all day, and every time I take the cap off, there's dust blowing in the motor of my bike, which is not good. So um, I start loading up my stuff, and I go to throw away my trash of all things, and as I'm throwing away, I realize there's a person, Derek, that I haven't seen in five, ten years, and he goes like this, and I go, and he's, you know, like, I think I recognize you. <laughs> and so Derek walks over to me. He's like, I thought I recognized your bearded face, you know. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's so good to see you, you know. And like we started, I realized, I'm starting to realize, oh, this is why I'm actually here. This is God setting something up right now. And, um, and so we talked, we talked, hey, aren't you like a priest or something? I'm like, Like, uh, how about I'm like a pastor? Like, we'll just say that. Oh, okay, cool, man. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. And we're talking and talking. And, and he's like, don't you do something with dirt bikes too? I've heard about this. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I told him, you know, it's funny because in the motocross world, everybody thinks that God is like, uh-uh, don't want nothing to do with you. You're gross. And this is like whatever, la da 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 That's their identity is wrapped in this. And, and I was like, yeah, and people in the church, a lot of people think like motocrossers, like they're, they're like wild, man, you know? And so my job is to like, we can like be a family, you know? <laughs> like you need to hear about Jesus and we need to love like lost people. And I'm telling this to this Derek kid who I had no, like I didn't think I would talk to him. And he was like, wow, this is, this is verbatim. Wow, that's so cool. I would never come to a church. I would burn. <laughs> I said to him, bro, that's literally what I just said. Like, you know how I know you wouldn't burn alive if you came to a church? I didn't. That's how I know. I'm the worst, you know? And God saved me. Can I tell you more about him? We should talk. Like, this is, hey, call me if you need this. Let me, it, it's just this great conversation. Without the love for the lost, this would have never happened, right? Let's be present with the, like, people need to know about Jesus. And if you have the Holy Spirit, this is growing in you. 
and it's necessary for it to grow. Love is a joyful response um, to the grace of God in Jesus Christ, motivated by one's personal relationship to the Savior. The fruit of the Spirit shows itself in loving God, loving other Christians, and loving the lost. And so may we not be, um, though we may not be in charge of, of the growth, sometimes I think there is some things we can do to cultivate the ground so the Holy Spirit can kind of do his thing. And so these are just a couple of last questions um, for you. What are the things in your life that are hurting your relationship with Jesus or robbing your affections for the church, for God, for Christians, or for the loss? Right? What are the things that are hurting? What are the things that are robbing affections? How about this? What are the things that are stirring your affections for Jesus? Are we pushing into those places as well? Life can get so busy. This last week, I was so tired. Like, (laughs) man, I can't even tell you. But that didn't mean that there wasn't places I needed to push into so I could love um, others well. And keep going, right? Love my family well. Love my other Christian brethren well. Where do we need to change the rhythm of our lives to love God and love others? That's another question. Because post-COVID, this is what I've seen. We've all gotten into a rhythm, right? And it's hard to break that rhythm. It really is. But maybe it's time to keep in check a new rhythm, right? Put in check. God desires to show his perfect selfless love to a world that is routinely confused about what true love is. And so... As God's children, like we are the conduits of his love as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray real quick and uh, we're going to worship together. It's going to be awesome. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit. And in that, we have been empowered to, to show your crazy, awesome love to, to a broken world, to one another, um, to other Christians, and back to you, Lord. We just thank you for all the good gifts you've given us, Lord. Help us enjoy you more and help us um, move to love uh, others. Like, Like I said, like crazy. We love you. Amen.